You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. Today, what we're going to deal with is the whole issue of dealing with conflict from a biblical perspective. And uh, so, uh, yeah, I know. Now, I have, there's another sermon that's cooking right now, okay? Uh, yeah, that uh, I was kind of torn between which one that the Lord wanted to use. But today I felt like uh, we live in a world of conflict, don't we? Oh, by the way, the other sermon is talking about living in your Esther moment. So I just want to throw that out for you. Yeah, yeah, so... When they give me opportunity to come back and talk, <laughs> we'll look at that. But today, what God wants to do is he wants to, wants to bring about resolution within our lives. Now, um, there'll be several passages of scripture, and uh, I haven't decided if I, I'm... Uh, uh, just lazy, or I don't, I, what happens is I don't get these here early enough to put them on the board. I gave Carol the day off, okay? Uh, what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to, uh, to look up these passages of Scripture on your phone or in your Bible if you've carried that. Uh, you know that there aren't many people who carry their Bibles. I commend you today if you do. Yeah, it's good. But, um, we're looking for participation. Yeah. We're looking for participation. In other words, we're looking for us not to be passive individuals where we're spoon-fed everything. Now, uh, but rather that the sermons actually stimulate an aggressiveness in your desire to look deeply into the scriptures by the power of the Holy Spirit and begin to receive the revelation that you need. Now, I'm sure most of you have experienced where you've read a passage of Scripture, and it means one thing to you, and then you'll revisit that passage of Scripture at a later date, and it goes, wow, there's a whole different perspective that's coming to me. And that is the work of the Spirit of God. So it is important that we're in the Word. It's important that we take time to encounter God in his word because the spirit of God is speaking to us and he's speaking fresh bread, fresh manna. Your daily bread comes. Jesus said that I have something that I feed on that you're not aware of and that is the word of God. And so you are encouraged to feed on the word of God and uh, the teaching, the sermon is designed just to stimulate just to actually begin to encourage you to move forward in looking at what God has to say within Scripture. My prayer would be that, that the Sunday morning teaching is not the only time that you encounter the Word of God. That's, uh, that would be like eating just one meal a week. And so uh, that's not a good, good idea unless you're on a long-term fast for a particular reason. Anyway, enough of my chastisement. Now, let's move on. Uh, so, conflict has been a part of our lives ever since the garden. Yep, Satan entered in, he deceived Adam and Eve, and as a result of that, there was conflict. There was conflict there between God and his creation. Uh, and then there was conflict also within the humanity, because what was, what was Adam's first response? It's the woman that you gave me. That's the problem. Yeah, so throwing shade on her, you know, it happens. So, but we see from the very beginning, once the, once the devil entered into our lives, we see conflict taking place as a result of that. Now, Scripture says that we have the ministry of reconciliation. Why? Because God reconciled himself uh, reconciled us to himself by the power and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We just celebrated that. We just celebrated the reconciliation that we have with God because of what Christ has done for us. And there is a great thanksgiving. But what's interesting is, is that passage of scripture that deals with reconciliation basically is speaking not only of the fact that 
we are reconciled to God, but we also have the grace from God to be reconciled to each other if we want it. Now, grace is something that you and I receive. It's the power of God to do things that we can't do in and of ourselves. I have found that I am not very good at dealing with conflict unless the power of God is there. Okay? And uh, my assumption is, is that you may struggle with conflict in your life. And as a result, what we want to do is we want to look at it from a biblical perspective, what it is that God wants to do in our lives in dealing with conflict. Uh, all of you were born into families, right? All right, so conflict is part of that, right? It's just what happens. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's so important to remember that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of darkness. And that's kind of the overarching theme of what's going on in dealing with conflict, that it is a spiritual battle that's taking place in a physical realm. And so as we are reminded of that truth, and so what I find is that I can get caught up in the emotion and actually lose track of the truth in those places of conflict. Yeah. Now, emotions were given to us by God. There's nothing wrong with emotions, and, but they are not designed to rule our lives. The truth is designed to rule our life. And so what we look for is we look for the truth that sets us free in our emotions that allows us to exert the appropriate discipline in order to walk through those places of conflict and come out on the other side in a healthy and whole way. Because uh, it says in scripture, in your anger, don't sin. Okay? And that's the first thing that the enemy wants to do, isn't it? In the midst of conflict, he is very much interested in bringing some sort of sin into that situation. Now, conflict happens. There's nothing wrong with conflict. It's just how do we actually resolve conflict without sinning? That's really the core issue. How to resolve conflict without sinning. Okay. And so let's take a look, first of all, at Romans 12, 9 through 21. Okay? Romans 12, 9 through 21. Now, if you are interested in memorizing a chapter within the Bible... I would say this would be a great one to memorize because it speaks to the powerful things of the kingdom, all right? But we're going to pull one section out of it. Starting in verse 9, it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Uh, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with uh, one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but caref be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone, everybody. If it, is a, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Okay, so now that's a hard thing to do. Isn't it? It really is. It's a hard thing to do. And yet, it requires the grace of God, really, to do those things. So, in your, when you're dealing with conflict, when you're dealing with difficulty with people, your love must be sincere. Yeah. One of the things that goes on in uh, a relationship where there's conflict is we tend to be unaware of what's going on inside of us. The Spirit of God is very powerful and is willing to reveal to us our weaknesses and reveal those places of challenge within our lives. God wants to reveal those places where the enemy can get a hold of us in those places of conflict to bring the maximum amount of destruction possible. Okay? We just need to know what he's up to. 
And I think what happens is, is that you're aware that sometimes you'll have conflict and when it's not dealt with, it continues to build and then it becomes a nightmare. Okay, have you noticed that? I think that sometimes what happens is, is that we tend not to actually deal with things as we do as we need to and they grow and become monsters and then it becomes increasingly difficult to deal with okay so just a word of encouragement in those places of conflict you want to move towards reconciliation and dealing with those situations uh, early as early on as you possibly can because then what happens is, is there is less likely the opportunity for the enemy to get a hold of it and create a, a, a huge problem. And so this is later on, but just a point here is that we have to be very careful that we do not confuse compassion with being a coward. Let me repeat that. We have to be very careful that we do not confuse compassion with being a coward. Now, in Revelation, I think it's in 18, it says cowards don't inherit the kingdom of heaven. Okay? You and I are equipped and empowered by the Spirit of God to deal with those things that come within our lives because God is faithful and he's all-powerful. To deal with those places of conflict without running from them and then say, well, I'm just compassionate. That's not compassion. No, that's not compassion. And so, so it's important. This, one of the things as I was working uh, with this sermon and what God was saying was is that we are so unaware of our true motivations. We will label them with things that seem to medicate us and God is saying, oh, no, that's not what's really going on. You've declared an untruth about yourself, your motivation. It is the Spirit of God that reveals the motivations of our heart. And we have to constantly stay in contact with him. And uh, that actually is a blessing. It isn't God is looking for ways to call us out and call us down. No, he's proactive. He's transforming us so that we might become the sons and daughters of the Most High God that reveal the true nature and character of God. And yet, sometimes I think we run from those things. We run from that. Why? Because we are willing to mislabel our motivations. And yet, God says, I want to deal with those things. I want to correct our motivations so that we might actually become the representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? So, uh, as you look at this, you can see in this passage that love must be sincere. The question is, when you come into a place of conflict, do you really love that person or not? Are you sincere about that? I mean, talk's cheap, isn't it? Have you noticed that? It's easy to say things, but actions prove what's really going on. That's why, uh, that's why correction within the body of Christ or uh, in your own family. We'll, we'll talk about kids for just a moment, okay? Uh, you don't correct a child based upon gossip. <laughs> you correct a child based upon behavior, okay? Yeah. You know, and what they're doing is they're always doing in somewhere behind the scenes. They can't see what's going on, aren't they? Okay? <laughs> uh, and... Uh, I was, I was pleasantly surprised uh, with my wife's parenting skills as she began to uh, confront motivations <laughs> and deal with those. Uh, I, was, I had a tendency to actually uh, uh, just react to behaviors. But what happens is, is that people can fake behaviors for short periods of time. But it's the motivation that needs to be dealt with. Yeah. I once asked my mom, I said, how do you know what I'm thinking? How do you do that? And she says, I have been watching your face since the day you were born. And I know what's going on inside. Why? Because she sees the behaviors and she connects them with what's going on inside of me. And so in our relationships, we have to be very careful 
because sometimes we don't know what the motivations are of people, but in the context of, say, in ministry, we can actually invite the Holy Spirit to bring revelation that causes us to begin to look into those places of motivation. Yeah, what we're looking for is we're looking for the power of God to actually reveal what's going on inside of yourself and other people. Because in that, God has come to set us free. His grace is the power to bring transformation to each one of us. And we have lacked grace because we've not asked for grace. We've not pulled on heaven. We've not actually pulled on the resources of heaven. And as a result, we have not seen the transformation that is available to each one of us. God is saying, I have the answers to your life's challenges and situations. Would you like them? Yeah. Do you want them? Do you desire those? If we desire the things of heaven, of God himself, he will give this to us. Scripture, there are many examples of Jesus' teaching that says, you know, his love, he will not withhold what we need. The question is, do we want what we need? And so in that place of conflict, we have to remind ourselves, we have to continue to check in with ourselves and say, Lord, is my love sincere? What's really going on inside? Bring revelation to me. In humility, now scripture says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humility. One of the keys in conflict resolution is you approach it from a humble attitude, humility. You know, and is it not true that our greatest enemy is our own pride? Think about it. Our greatest enemy is our own pride. So love must be sincere. And then in that, it goes on and talks about how it is that we are to live our lives before each other. It says, never lacking zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Sometimes we can be very zealous about making sure that we're right and someone else is wrong. That's the wrong kind of zealousness, okay? Is that a word? Well, anyway, you know what I mean, so... Yeah. So we have to be careful. We, we twist some of these things. Okay. So it deals with how to live with, in harmony with each other. To not be proud. Not to repay evil for evil. And so that deals, this deals with some of the things that go on. In our conflict, there's always two people involved at least. But you can choose not to fight. You can choose not to go to that place of conflict. Now, there's a difference between disagreements and overt sin, and we'll get to that in just a few moments, okay? But um, you have to decide, is this battle worth fighting, okay? Now, it doesn't mean, see, what you can do is you can say that, you can actually be a coward, okay? So it gets a little complicated, and I'm not trying to confuse you. But what I'm trying to do is encourage you that the Spirit of God will lead you through conflict if you let him. Let me repeat that. The Spirit of God will lead you through conflict to the other side if you let him do that. Why? Because he has the ministry of reconciliation. Okay. Now, Ephesians 6.12 says, Our fight is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of darkness. Okay, we can turn to that if you'd like. Ephesians Okay, uh, verse 12 of chapter 6, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, so we need to remember that in those places of conflict, there's where the enemy is lying, isn't he? There's where he's working. He's working in those places of conflict. And as a result of that, what happens is, is that he's looking to blind us to the fact that the person that we're dealing with is not the enemy. It's Satan. It's the demonic hosts that are tormenting you and I. It's those places where the enemy has access to our lives that creates the problem. And so when you are involved in resolving a conflict, 
we have to keep in mind what's really going on. What's the bigger picture? You know, Scripture says that uh, we are seated in heavenly realms. In other words, I like that because what it's saying is, is that we have available to us a heavenly perspective. We have available to us the ability to see from with the eyes of God. And I think that in conflict, as I review my life and the conflicts that I've had, what happens is, is that I don't let God enter into the conflict. I take over and I can get emotional and then I can go to anger and then things can go wrong, okay? And so God is wanting to do an end run around the kingdom of darkness and he wants to equip us to do that so that we do not fall victim to what the enemy wants to do. So foundationally, we must remember that in any conflict, the ultimate enemy is Satan himself and not the other person. That's very important. And it's important to remind ourselves of that when we see places of conflict because it helps reveal the truth to us and then it changes the tone of the way the potential conflict goes, okay? So, um, these are some of the things that I believe challenge us as far as uh, conflict. You and I struggle to listen, okay? We struggle to listen. It's more important for us to be right. It's more important for us to win. Uh, it's more important for us to correct someone else. And so those are the kinds of things, or be in control. Those are the kinds of things that we struggle with in those places of conflict. Yeah, those are the places where God needs to work within our lives. I, it's, it's, I've used this before, and I, and I know it's true, that it is not important whether you're right or someone else is right. What is important is that God is right. Okay? So in those places of conflict, what you're looking for is you're looking for the truth of God, the rightness of God, if you want to do that. That's what we're really looking for. That's what we should be looking for. And yet our flesh, which is supposed to be dead, oh, by the way, it isn't. We keep resurrecting. You know, Scripture talks about the resurrection of the dead. But the thing of it is, is that you and I are not to raise the old man up back to life. He's supposed to die and stay dead. Do not, rec do not resurrect him. And yet we do that, don't we? In those places where we're not fully dead, he comes back to life. And so scripture continues to reveal to us the power of reconciliation and what God really wants to do. So we struggle to listen. We struggle with our own pride. We struggle with our emotions, anger. In your anger, don't sin. Then what happens is, is that we can move to places of being a bully or a manipulator. Uh, if we do that, we are sinning. It's very important to know that. If we attempt to bully people or if we attempt to manipulate people, that's sin. And that needs to be repented of. Okay. Uh, not all conflicts can be resolved. But it's our responsibility to do our part in bringing reconciliation and ultimately unity. Now, in that scripture that we looked at, it said, in Romans, it said, to the best of our ability, attempt to bring about resolution. Yeah. So, you need to know that you will not necessarily see resolution of every conflict that you have with people. That's the harsh reality. But the encouragement to each one of us is that we are to do our part to the best of our ability with the grace of God to bring about reconciliation because God will then deal with that other individual, and we want to release that to God. Not out of a vengeful attitude that says, I want them to hurt. Lord, get them. Yeah, because they've hurt me, okay? No, out of an act of compassion. Why? Because they don't know what they're doing. You realize that all sin in our lives, if we really knew what it was, we wouldn't do it. If we had a real revelation of sin and its consequences, when the enemy offered that to us, we go, no way. That is dangerous and miserable. 
but we don't see it that way. It's repackaged in ways that appeal to our fallen flesh, to those places where we haven't completely died. And as a result of that, then the enemy has access in our lives. When we die to ourselves, then the enemy has no access to us. Jesus said of Satan, he has nothing in me. When Satan came to get him, he reached inside and there was nothing inside of Jesus that the enemy could get a hold of. Yeah. Now that's being dead to oneself. That's where God is taking us. And you're going, I don't want to die. I don't like that. I want to be in control. I know, so do I. Yeah. That's what happens to us. We resist that. It takes time. And that's okay. We are in a house together here. We're in this body of Christ. And we're going to let God do what he can do in our lives. We're going to cooperate with the Spirit and let him bring about that ministry of reconciliation. That ministry that brings transformation to our lives. That ministry that then restores to us what was robbed from us in, in the Garden of Eden. Yeah, yeah. Now, I want to talk about, um, uh, we, we talked a bit about uh, the fact that sometimes you can't resolve situations. Uh, let's take a look at Acts uh, chapter 15. And um, it's uh, 36 through 41. It says, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back uh, to visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, who uh, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not uh, think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul also chose Silas and left commended by the brothers to, uh, and the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Sharp disagreement. I love it when God puts these things in the Bible. It isn't just all roses and rainbows, is it? No. What we see in the lives of individuals, we see the struggle. They were a real people with flesh and blood, and they struggled. You and I are real people with flesh and blood, and we struggle. And God is very much willing to reveal the challenges that his saints experienced in the past as an encouragement to you and I. Okay, now there is a difference because Jesus deals with sin and he had conflict with the Pharisees. He had conflict in the temple. He threw the money changers uh, tables over. Uh, he created quite a scene. He was dealing with sin. So there's a difference here between dealing with sin and dealing with a disagreement over a particular preference. Okay, so not all co conflicts are identical. And so it's important to understand, it's kind of like, what are we dealing with here? So Paul and Barnabas had a, had a disagreement. Paul was not about to be betrayed by Mark, uh, John Mark. Again, he just kind of had had it with him, okay? Now you're like going, okay, I thought Paul was a saint. I thought he was an apostle. I thought that he was perfect. Oh, no, he wasn't, by the way. Yeah, we tend to do that. We tend to elevate people, don't we? You don't want to do that? Elevate Jesus. He's the only one worthy of being elevated. Yeah, yeah, he's the only one. Yeah. So we see Paul and Silas, um, uh, or Saul, Saul and Barnabas, having, having a, a difficult discussion here. And they agreed to disagree, and they went their separate ways. It's interesting God can use that, can't he? There were two teams that went out rather than one. Yeah. Work, more work was done in the midst of that. It is, it's an interesting way of God actually redeeming some of those things. And so I just want you to know that not all conflicts can be resolved. Uh, or they may be creative ways that God brings re resolution that catch you off guard. That's what I like. I like when God does the miraculous and you're like going, wow, God, that is a good job. You really did something there that I did not expect.
Isn't that God? God is the one who does the unexpected in our lives. So I want you to live in hope and faith and trust in God that he will take those places of challenge and difficulty and he'll turn them into something good. Scripture declares that he will take what the enemy meant for harm and turn it into something good. And I think we should, we should wait for God to reveal that, okay? Yeah. Now, you might be saying, Bruce, you're starting to confuse me. You're starting to argue both sides of the issue here, aren't you? And what I am saying is, is that it is the Spirit of God that leads us through those challenges, those places where we seem like the information or the situation that we have two opposing ideas coming at the same time out of Scripture. And God is saying that both of those places are true. You need me to show you how to apply it. Truth is to be applied by the power of the Spirit in our lives. Truth is to be applied by the power of the Spirit in our lives. Yeah, so that way we have the appropriate revelation that we need. All right, let's talk about victims. Uh, it, is the, it is Satan's goal to victimize the entire world. Why? Because when you choose an identity victim mindset, what happens is, is then you are open to the kingdom of darkness. What has God declared over us? That we're sons and daughters of him. And that we are victors over the schemes of the enemy. All of that is available to us. But if we live not as victors, but victims, what happens then is we change the way we see the world and how we operate. Okay? Now, all of us have been victimized, have we not? We've all been taken advantage of. We've been hurt by people, whether it was in our childhood or along the way. We found that you can't trust people. They're mean, they're difficult, they're miserable, they betray you, all of those kinds of things. Yes, that is true about humanity. But then God says, okay, I have the ministry of reconciliation. I'm here to change the culture. And so God wants to change the culture within each one of us and out of that, then that witness then begins to bring a change of culture to the world around us. If you look at our current culture in the United States, the church has failed. You and I have failed. We failed to be the living witnesses that bring about real transformation. And God calls us to operate in different ways. We don't all have the same ministry. But ultimately, what God wants to do is he wants... A kingdom culture within the house, and then out of the house, the kingdom culture moves to establish the kingdom culture in the world. Yeah. Why did he say to garden and subdue the Garden of Eden? We were to cultivate that. And out of that, that, that was a, uh, the Garden of Eden was a place, an entry point where God established his creation and then out of that, the garden was supposed to grow and cover the whole world. That was the original goal. Adam and Eve abdicated because of sin their role in leading the charge to take, uh, to destroy chaos in the entire world. When God brought creation into existence, he took what was in chaos and he brought order to it. The same was then true in the garden. We were to actually uh, establish the garden and prune it and let it grow and let it cover the earth. Okay? That didn't happen. Why? And then what, what's happened is, is that the chaos of the enemy has actually continued to hold the world in chaos. But you and I are God's answer to chaos. We are not here to experience chaos, if you will, or to perpetuate it. We're actually here to actually establish a kingdom rule and reign that destroys chaos and restores peace. That's what God's goal is for us. Now, getting back to this whole idea of being a victim. Okay. As soon as I embrace the truth, which is actually a lie, as a believer, that I am a victim, then what happens is the enemy gets a hold of all of my activity, okay? 
I felt like the Lord said, and I think this is very important, the reason that the enemy wants all of us to be victimized is because victimization depreciates the value of that person who was abused. If we embrace that lie that we don't have value because we were victimized, the enemy then destroys who we are. It's huge and powerful. Yeah, huge and powerful. And then what happens is, because we don't value ourselves, we don't value others. And then when we don't value others, what happens is that we are justified in not only hurting ourselves, but also hurting each other. That's what the enemy wants. He wants us to all live as victims. Why? Because then we are justified, at least we believe we are, to then devalue our own life and the lives of others. And then we can sin. We can sin against ourselves and we can sin against others. And we are justified in our own minds. If you look at our culture, what is the enemy doing in our culture? Everyone's a victim. Everyone is a victim. Yeah. And in that, then, that depreciates your true value. What has gone wrong? We've let Satan declare our value. Yeah. See, in an abuse cycle, the perpetrator is always blaming the one they're abusing. Yeah. Various things. I won't go into the details. But what they're doing is they're convincing the person that's being abused that they have no real value. They are warring against the truth of who God has declared us to be. That we are so valuable that he sent his son to restore reconciliation with the father. So we are reintegrated back into the family of God. Yeah. So what you find then with a victim for all of those, uh, and we can be prone to dabbling with this, even those that may not have been. And, and victimization is, happens in many different levels and many different forms. But unless we're healed of our identity issue, because it becomes an identity issue in, in an abuse situation. Unless we are healed of that identity issue, then what happens is our lives are then filled with conflict and chaos. Yeah. Until God comes. Until God rescues us from those situations. Yeah. Now, sometimes you might have to ask those places where you've been victimized, do you really want to be rescued or do you really enjoy being a victim? Ugh. That's a hurtful thing to say, Bruce. Stop it. Stop saying those kinds of things. But it's the kinds of things that God has to confront in our lives, isn't it? Do we really want God to do what he needs to do in our lives so that we might be set free? Do we really want that? Or are we comfortable with living in that place that has been an identity that is not of God? There's those dangerous places. Remember, God is healing the house first so we can touch the world. We keep praying, God, do this and do that in the culture. God, do that in me. Do that in us as the family. Give us relationships that will allow healing and deliverance so that we might become the sons and daughters. We are have been declared to be that, but we must experience that at out of that, then you see the power of God released in your life. And then you become instruments of God to bring healing and deliverance to a culture. Okay? Yeah, in those places of your spheres of influence. Yeah. Yeah. I find it fascinating how God uses us when we least expect it. He blindsides you every once in a while. 
Yeah, and he wants to do it more often than that, okay? It isn't, I think the, I think the rarity is the result of our lack of connectedness with God. But remember, he fully intends that our lives be a place of encounter with the people around us. Wherever it is, whether we're working, you know, we're, wherever we're at, we are, have that opportunity to be that place of encounter with God. That is a privilege. I thank God for that. I thank God that he has chosen me. Now, that's not out of arrogance. It's the truth. He chose me for such a time as this in order to reflect the nature and character of God. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I'm weird or religious or, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like, oh, there's been so much junk in the, in the, that's been perpetuated as, as true Christianity. No, God wants authentic individuals, people who are real, with real struggles, real issues, and then also have seen the victory of God in their lives and then have the me message of hope and deliverance for a world that desperately needs it. That's what you've been called to. That's what you've been, it's been declared over you. You will be my living witnesses. Yes, and my life will not necessarily look like yours, and I don't need to judge that, and you don't need to judge me. No. You have a unique gift mix and identity that God has called you to. And so we are to step into that. And as brothers and sisters, we encourage each other to step into that unique call that God has called us to, to reflect the nature and character of God. Yeah. And it does not matter what your career is or whether you're retired or how many kids you have or don't have or those kinds of things. There are tons of kingdom opportunities available to each one of us. What you want is you want to pray, God, open my eyes to see. Open my eyes to see what's available. Open my eyes to see what you see. You and I have been seated in, in heavenly places. And so it's time to see from heaven's perspective, that really changes the power of conflict when you have that. Yeah, it really does bring about uh, something different in our lives. Religion doesn't set us free, but relationship with Jesus does. Yeah, your abuser had no right to declare your value. Now, that gets to that place with that fear of man. Ooh, do we have to talk about this? Yes. Yeah, we do. Yeah. It's a curse. The fear of man. Yeah. We're always worried about what other people are thinking or feeling or saying or those kinds of things. Me included. Yeah. Yeah. It's on the radar. I'd like to say it isn't, but it is. I'm aware of what people think, how they feel, you know. You know, as a pastor uh, preaching, I can go, oh, I hope they're enjoying the sermon. My, what are they thinking? Yeah, I, I look, at, look at some of those faces. They've tuned out. I've lost them. Oh, my gosh. It's not working well. Bruce, pull up, pull up. You know. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see, it's all that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, God. Yeah, I am worrying about them and I need to be in tune with you, and I need to speak what I hear you saying. And so that's my desire. Uh, so that fear of man versus that fear of God, okay? It's a huge issue. When we fear man, he becomes God to us. Yeah. When we fear man, he becomes God to us. And, you know, Scripture says that uh, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, this is what I sensed was, and I'm not, it's not fully developed in me, but it, I know there's truth to this. If you fear God enough, you will then step into his love. That's what he said. It's not fully developed, but it's like, because I'm, I'm, you know, God, I thought you wanted us to love you. And if I fear you, that doesn't seem to make sense to me in a rational thought process. But then God goes, uh, so rational? You mean human wisdom? 
I'm going, oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. We don't like human wisdom because it can deceive us. But it's like just something to, to, to leave you with. Um, I'm not done, by the way. But just, <laughs> just something I know you were hoping, weren't you? <laughs> uh, but there's something about the fear of the Lord that ultimately leads you to the love of God. And so I just, I want to give that to you and uh, press into that. See what God has to say there. But yeah, yeah. So, but our biggest, one of, not our biggest problem, but one of our challenges is that we fear, fear men above God. And in that things get twisted and upside down. Yeah. Yeah. So the encouragement is, is that God is preeminent in our life. And in that, then everything else will fall into appropriate order. Uh, and so uh, if we actually practice that, we will see that take place. You know, what's interesting is people uh, have said to me, well, I tried Christianity and it didn't work. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, what happened was, is they really didn't try it. <laughs> they thought they did. And they may have had... Uh, misunderstanding or misteaching, if you will, or inappropriate teaching. But, but God, uh, if you really encounter God, there is uh, transformation. There is change. The real encounter does bring about change and transformation. And so, so when people say they've been there and tried it, what they probably did was they tried religion and it didn't work. And, you know, that's appropriate. Yeah, religion doesn't work. And sometimes the people that are standing outside the church are more keenly aware that religion doesn't work. You know, you can find out a lot by sitting at the bar and talking to drunks. Yeah? I don't recommend it. I'm just saying that you can. Why? Because they're honest. You know, they're actually saying things from the heart. It's amazing what takes place there. Yeah. But they have, they, they, they see things more clearly, not a drunk necessarily, but individuals who have watched religion and how it doesn't work. And unfortunately, the church has given religion rather than actually facilitated relationship with God. That falls to us, by the way. Yeah. I think it's important for us to take responsibility for those places now, it's not for condemnation. It's to challenge us to change. Yeah. God wants us to change. Yeah. So we need the truth of God. And so Christianity does work if you encounter the living God. He brings about change. Okay. So what can be our responses to this? Uh I won't read it, but 2 Corinthians 5.17, we've quoted that before. We need to know who we are. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. The new has now come. If that isn't firmly fixed in a, in a believer's identity, we are on shaky ground. I think that that's one of the key things that the church has missed. We've not adequately taught and encouraged and prayed for the encounter with God that brings the revelation that you and I are now new creations in Christ. The old has died and the new has now come. That's the problem. Yeah, so that identity issue is huge and it's foundational, okay? We need a, a godly perspective of all situations. We need to stay close to God. Uh, Philippians 3.15 would address that issue. It's that pressing into God. Um, it's what God... Um, uh, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church here, and he says, all of us who are mature should take on such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. And so what Scripture is saying there is, is that one of the biggest problems we have with conflict is the fact that we're not in tune with God. Yeah. And the, those places of difference... As you both press into God, what happens is you get closer to God, and he brings resolution in that. 
He does. He brings resolution as you press into God. Okay. Um, I just want to remind you that in all those places of conflict, God has a solution. Okay? The question is, can you hear his voice? That would be a good prayer for yourself and for the church. One of the things that we want is we want to encourage you to hear the voice of God. Because in that, God will bring solutions. He will bring answers to the challenges that we face. And yet, there are a lot of distractions. There are a lot of things that war against the voice of God. Now, as you're working through the details of a conflict, it's important to ask lots of questions. Uh, so that you might understand the true motivation of what's going on. Okay? Uh, I like the term reflective listening. I don't remember where I, I picked along the line as far as uh, in my education. I think it might have been in the business school. Uh, as, a, as a salesman, you reflect back to people what you're hearing so you better, better understand them. You know, it's a skill. And so, uh, I, you know, and you'll get different responses. <laughs> you can get responses such as, they get angry, <laughs> or they run away. Yeah, into things. Why? Uh, because that question actually brings light, and they're not willing to face it. Now, your goal is here is not to win. Your goal here is to allow them to understand what it is that's going on inside of them, and why we see a behavior or whatever. That's the goal here. So, but but we can approach this with. Ah, this is a perfect question to prove that I am right and they're wrong. Bad motivation on your part. Bad. That's a sin. Yeah, that's pride. That's the kind of thing that gets us into trouble, okay, and doesn't actually bring about resolution within the conflict that we're experiencing. But if we can, if we can understand a person's motivation, we can better understand and help them walk to a healthy and whole motivation. Okay? Yeah. So we're looking for the truth because the truth sets us free, right? So questions explore what's going on inside, and that then allows for truth to be applied. You might not get the reaction that you would like, but you're doing due diligence here in your ability to bring about reconciliation. Yeah, that's what you're doing. You're doing that due diligence, okay? Okay. Now, reconciliation can be a one-time event or it can be several encounters. But ultimately, the goal is bringing unity, okay? Remember, God wants us to reflect them. Unity in the body uh, and reconciliation is central to the kingdom of God. I was in a small group years ago. We were seeing many signs and wonders. I, it was like, wow. It was like amazing. Now, I actually heard the voice of God. I mean, the audible voice of God. That's maybe only happened once one other time. Other times, it's more of just a sense. It's like it, you just, it just shows up inside. Brenda, I'm so sorry. I, my the microphone is all over. Uh, but uh, anyway, I said, God, why are you doing this? What, what, why is this different than what I've experienced in the past? And he said, it's your unity that allows me to flow. That's the sermon <laughs> right there. It's your unity that allows me to flow. What is the enemy always doing within the body of Christ? Creating disunity, creating conflict and turmoil and difficulty. What's he doing in your marriages? What's he doing in your relationships with your family and in work and that? He's creating disunity as a way to prevent the flow of the spirit. You and I have a holy call to maintain unity even in the places of conflict and disagreement in order that the power of God will flow and we will see the kingdom revealed. That's what's going on. And so we need to know the scheme of the enemy. The scheme of the enemy is disunity in order to interrupt the flow of what God wants to do within the house. Okay? Yeah. Yeah, that's what he wants to do. Why does it say to us, don't quench the spirit? God, is it really, is it say that? In yeah, it does. Our disunity can quench 
the power of God. Quench the spirit moving. And so our war is against flesh and is against the kingdom of darkness. It's not against flesh and blood. The enemy is doing everything he can to stir up conflict and turmoil and difficulty in order to break unity, in order for people rather than to love and to work through the issues, actually hate each other and, and do all sorts of vile things against each other. And meanwhile, the world is watching the church. And they're going... Why would I want to sign up for that? Give me another beer. It's a better place. No. So we have a responsibility to do what we can do. We can't make other people do anything they don't want to do. But we have the responsibility to do what we can do in order to bring about reconciliation and then out of that, unity and then out of that the power of God to transform our lives and the lives of other people okay so when you're when you're dealing with those kinds of places uh, you can ask the question I like this one I see this behavior tell me why you did that Well, sometimes they'll say, well, you didn't see that. I go, okay. Well, here, let, we, we need to back up the truck here and, and talk about that then. Uh, this is what I saw. Well, I mean, things can get kind of squirrely, okay? But the thing that is is that you want to press through that as best you can, okay? Sometimes you need to take a break from places of pressing through, too. You do. You really do. Come back. Cool heads prevail. And uh, if there is high emotional level, it's probably not going to work well because you've already both, uh, one or both of you are already in the flesh and not listening, living by the spirit. And in that, then uh, things don't go well. So, but you can ask the question, why did you do that? Or why did you say that? Okay. Yeah, and like I said, you can get different responses. You can get anger. Uh, typically, uh, you know, if, if you're not moving forward, you'll get anger. Or you get like the cold shoulder, the the uh, which is really uh, walking away. It's actually being a coward, but you know we hate to say that word, right? Uh, rather than pressing through those issues. What's interesting is uh, then sometimes people will say, "Well, well, that's not really an issue." Okay, then what we have to do is we have to go back and look at the current behavior. And then we can help walk through it that way. Now, I wish that I had a very clear, concise, point-by-point -point step that would allow you to go, okay, follow this one, do step one, do step two, do step three, and you will have the perfect outcome at the end. It doesn't work that way. What we're looking for is we're looking for tools here that help us will help us to begin to walk in that direction. Remember, the enemy is at work. He's doing everything he can. He's creating fusion and difficulty. Uh, I mean, you, we, we do struggle with demonic activity within our lives. Yeah. And he's talking, the enemy is talking, and so, so there is complexity in all this. But what's interesting is God is able to separate the bone from the marrow. Isn't it? Yeah. He is able to separate bone from marrow. He's able to actually come in on the issues and actually deal with those if you're willing to listen to him. Now, not everyone in this conflict is necessarily willing to listen to God. That's a reality that we have to face. But that's a place where we then press into prayer, isn't it? Lord, change my heart first, rather than God get him. Or God changed their heart. It's like, God, if there's anything within my heart to change, I need to change. And then, Lord, by your grace and mercy, bring about that change to the other individual. Okay. Uh, so we'll have different kinds of, uh, of, of conflict. You can have uh, those places uh, like in your marriage uh, or in uh, the place within the, the body of Christ. Uh, you can see uh, conflict within uh, the workplace. You see Jesus having conflict with the Pharisees. 
Uh, that was a sin issue that he was dealing with. And so I think it's important to remember that the conflicts, we don't want them to go to sin. We want to actually deal with those, dis those disagreements and walk through them so we have resolution before they take a turn towards sin for one or both of the individuals. We have to, have to be proactive in that. Now, <clears throat> let's go back because this particular passage is quite interesting. It's Matthew 18, 15 through 16. This is Jesus speaking. He says, uh, if your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault, just between the two of you. But if he, list, uh, if he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along, as every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen, to them, tell it to the church, and, and if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Ooh, wow. How do I deal with that? How do I deal with that? Okay. Jesus is talking about sin, okay? Now, if you have a disagreement, it can go to sin if it's not dealt with. Okay, so, so there are situations of sin. There may be things that are taking place within the body of Christ. And this is, this is in the family of God that we're talking about here. He's talking about those that are part of the body of Christ. Okay, you have to approach each other and you have to walk through that system, that systematic approach. Yeah. So you approach the individual first alone, yeah? And then if that doesn't work, then what you do is you bring two or three witnesses. In other words, what we're looking for is we're looking for people who have the Spirit of God and are able to actually discern and to ascertain what's actually taking place within the place of sin and difficulty in order to establish the truth. If that doesn't work, then what's happening here is that individual now steps into a place of rebellion, okay? The individual who sinned steps into a place of rebellion. Now, Scripture clearly teaches that if we don't deal with our sin, what will happen is eventually it brings death to us. You know, it's a progressive work. But Jesus is very serious about dealing with sin. So as I've been talking about conflict and disagreements and those kinds of things, God is serious about all of this. His approach is different depending upon what's actually going on. We need to hear the voice of God so that we understand what it is that, what the core issues are and what is really taking place. And then in that, we have an approach or an understanding of how to process through those places of conflict, disagreement, and those places of sin. Because you can disagree about something, but it doesn't mean it's a place of sin. Okay? But what Jesus is dealing with here is a place of sin, and that God deals with. God has to deal with our sin. If it doesn't, what happens? It brings death to us. That's why it's so important that it is that because we say, Jesus, that seems severe. That seems like, where is your love and compassion? And it's like confronting sin is a compassionate act, is it not? Confronting sin in our own lives and in the lives of other people is an act of compassion on the part of God. Why? Because sin will kill us. And so that's why it's serious. So, okay. I think I'm done. You're probably done too, aren't you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll be downstairs. You can entertain questions. You, the what ifs, uh, I'm sure, are in your minds, and that's fine. And you know what? I don't have all the answers. Uh, I, I just don't. I wished I did. My, yeah. Uh, that'd be cool. But uh, God has all the answers. Yeah, God has all the answers. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. Hmm. Father Jesus, Holy Spirit, three in one, the great I am. Yeah, yeah. Your love for us has produced reconciliation. Jesus, your payment for our sin has set us free. 
Lord, we pray that in those places of difficulty and conflict that are a natural and normal part of a fallen world, Lord, we ask that your grace and your wisdom and revelation would penetrate our minds. Give us the ability to reflect your nature and character in all of our relationships. Lord, we ask that you would show us those places that yet need to die within us. That we might, that you might live in and through us, Lord God. May, may we become our, your living witnesses to the world around us. Yeah. Yeah. Lord, I thank you that you've done everything necessary for life, for salvation, for transformation. Yeah. Lord, I ask that we would live in those places of peace. Lord, we pray peace over this house. We pray peace over this house, the peace, your peace, that passes our ability to understand. We pray that your peace would be revealed in our hearts and in our minds, in each one of us, Lord God. Lord, we ask for unity. We ask that you would bring unity to this house. Yes, and out of that, Lord, may you flow. Lord, may our love and our unity be the platform by which you display your glorious presence among us. And Lord, may it be done to your honor and glory. Yeah, not for our glory, Lord God, Lord, but for your glory. May you change us into your likeness and image. Yeah, experientially so that we might be those living witnesses. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Enjoy. You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org.